It's finally here. Welcome to Do It With Dan, entrepreneurial philanthropist, public speaker and author, creator of the Beyond Intention Paradigm. Here is your host, Daniel Mengena. Let's get it started. Let's get it started. Let's get it started. Let's get it started. Welcome to another episode of Abundant Relationships with my illustrious divine goddess of a goat, go host. <laughs> of a goat? Go host. Well, goat is greatest of all time. So um, it's possible that of all the man- mammals that you could be, that's the one that you are. One that is the greatest of all time. <laughs> Did you just make a goat sound? Yes. <laughs> and amazing. If this is your first ever listening to this podcast, welcome. We do not normally start with animal sounds, but you never know what you're going to get. That's the unknown. Um, welcome to it. Hello. So, <laughs> those of you who are meeting me for the first time, I'm Daniel Angena. As my announcer said, I'm a, I do podcast and I do talking. I do a bit of teaching. I do some writing. Got a couple of books out there. Uh, entrepreneur, philanthropist. Maybe I'll talk about what that means someday. But today, you are joining me when I have my illustrious goat of a co-host, Laura Martin Taylor, relationship specialist. <laughs> and we meet up. We meet up every now and then and talk about bringing abundance into relationships. Uh, I'm not sure which one in the series this is, but it's one of them. And uh, we have a lot of fun. I randomly pick a topic and drop it in the uh, the capable hands of Laura and then we get into it. And she gives us some divine advice. So look forward to, uh, to sharing with you. So you ready for today's uh, hot topic? Absolutely. I always love surprises. Okay. Good surprises, I'm sure. Expensive. Yes. Surprise. Um, families and extended family and their overlap, involvement, or interjection in romantic relationship. <laughs> wow. Are you sure we have enough time for this one, Dad? <laughs> <laughs> this, it's, been, it's been a funny one because um, I, I come from a big family. I stay very clear. Have you ever seen that meme of the match that sort of steps back and everyone else is on, on fire? I'm that match. Yes. yes. I am that match. Um, but every now and then there's times when it still kicks off. So we had a family meeting this morning via Zoom and I accidentally expressed an issue that I had with another family member. And then it started a whole thing. No, I don't think we should talk about that here. And then my dad wanted to pick it up and go into it, whatever. So, but there are times when, you know, especially from a big family, anyone's from a big family, one understand, no matter how delicately you you are in trying to have your own life sometimes <laughs> there are lots of people with vested interest so when you've got a romantic relationship how do we navigate that having even people in fact you know what people with smaller families maybe have it even more right i don't know mm-hmm. I don't, take it on you know what i'm talking about let's get into it absolutely i i think it's um it is one of the can be one, a, a very large challenge depending on um, the dynamics within, you know, your family um, and your partner's family. So um, often, you know, I think I've spoken about this before, but I'll touch upon this. You know, we often find someone who is very different from us. Um, mm-hmm. We see, of course, in the beginning, all the similarities, and that's what we 
um, on the surface fall in love with, but really our subconscious falls in love with the differences um, mm-hmm. because those are going to help us grow. And I truly believe that we come to this planet. One of the reasons we're here as human beings is to um, potentially awaken. Mm-hmm. And um, a partner will certainly awaken parts of ourselves that have remained asleep, often since we were pretty young, things that we're not aware of. You know, the, the hopes and dreams of forever happiness somehow become something different. And so I think it's interesting because often people will find partners, as I was saying, that are, have very different family dynamics. And mm-hmm. then you have very different expectations. And some of that may be wonderful. And some of it certainly may be challenging. I think the other piece that maybe is a good one to, to focus on, however, is um, what are, yeah, how the dynamics between our parents play out between siblings mm-hmm. and then siblings, partners between each other, and then all those dynamics. I mean, it's very, very, very complicated. But I want to say that the parents set the tone for the family system. Right. Uh, um, and I, let, me, let me give you an example of a, um, a situation. There's... Um, a situation I work with a family, actually a number of families could, could qualify for this. And, and the mother and father, the husband and wife, weren't the best communicators. Got it. And in that, what, I find, what I'm always looking for in terms of things that get my attention are triangles. When it's not a direct relationship, but there's something triangulated in and something triangulated in can be um, another child that a parent talks to about one of the parent, the parent. Um, it can be alcohol, you know, it can be drug addiction, um, but anything that kind of gets in the way of true and real communication and intimacy between the parents, then that tends to play out between the siblings and the siblings with their own partners. Um, so do you hear where I'm going? I hear where you're going with this, yeah. Um, so, I, I, you know, we're, we are imprinted, literally, our, our brain computers and nervous systems are programmed by what we see before we have words, what we learn about, you know, I have twin um, grandbabies that are eight months old, and I watch them watching. They mm. literally, with their eyes, look at people's faces, they look at interactions, they'll go between people who are talking with their eyes. And what I know is they're learning how to relate, how to communicate, how people, you know, the feeling tone, what does it feel like when these people are talking to each other? They're learning how to do that themselves. More than just learning how to talk, they're learning how to be a human um, in relationship to. So the, so the university of life is happening through the eyes of small humans. Exactly. And it's programming their brains and they won't remember it later because the amygdala and the hippocampus aren't yet working together. So it won't be something like they'll think, oh, when my, you know, so-and-so and so-and-so argued, which we're not doing, but let's pretend yeah. that's the case. That's normal. Like that's what people, that's what people do. That's just what happens when you love someone, you argue, um, which, you know, there can be validity to that at times. But the point is, is that they don't know that consciously. So it just goes into their body system and in the loops, in the neural pathways, when they have an argument with someone that might feel like love to them later. Mm. It may or may not be later. If it's healthy and it gets traction and they resolve something, sure. But the same kind of thing can happen when um, it doesn't get resolution and they keep arguing and and it it actually isn't a helpful situation. So... um, so our families lay the imprint 
for our relationships. So, I mean, I don't know how much bigger it gets than that. Mm. So we've got the imprints that are laid out. And then we've got the, the, the frameworks. We've got the learning that we're happening, hap- that's happening within us at a very small age as we're sort of soaking in the world around us. So can I say the framework within which we relate is learned through the experience of what we witnessed with our family, right? Exactly. And, and this is what I call the default mode. Default mm-hmm. is you replay basically what, your parents and your family, your close people. You know, it could also be a nanny. It could be an aunt. It could be anybody that was influential in your, even especially your preverbal years. And a lot of times people think, oh, it's just a baby. Just let them cry. You know, this starts. That's not it at all, man. You're dealing with somebody's well-being, their emotion, their ability to emotionally regulate or not, you know, their ability to feel safe in the world or not. It's a very, very important job. And I think it's important to be conscious with. So that's the default mode. So, you know, when you meet somebody, it's a really good idea to notice how they, how their parents relate, how they feel about their parents, how they feel about their siblings. Um, You know, if it's likely if a person isn't really working hard on changing their default patterns, they will default to those people. And sometimes that's really good. You know, there are parents that have great relationships and are great communicators and love and respect each other. Wow, that's going to be amazing. You know, that person, their default mode is going to be pretty darn amazing. A lot of the time, though, people, even those same people have challenges that may not be so readily apparent, or maybe they are. And that's Mm -hmm. just something to make note of that by default, when in default, this person will fall into this pattern. And, you know, when you, I'm sure people that are listening have seen that in their own lives, in relationships with people. They'll meet somebody and, you know, that person will say, oh, I don't want to be like my parents at all, right? Well, that's mm-hmm. great. That intention is great. But by default, you're going to be. So unless someone has, is really doing their work to awaken and not be defensive in relationship, they're likely going to be very much like their parents. And generally a person aligns with one parent or the other more so, even Mm -hmm. unconsciously, Um, they'll feel closer to one. And often it's the one they don't feel close to that they align more with unconsciously. So for example, someone that at an unconscious level to be really, really, really rudimentary associates with being a a mommy's boy or a daddy's girl, for example, they're going to revert back to that dynamic or how that person shows up? Uh, Well, that, gosh, that's a whole other discussion. Um, But to keep it simple and focused here, let's say that I have a really close relationship with my mom, which I did. And I, mm-hmm. and I, she's dead, but I still feel close to her. Mm-hmm. And I had a difficult time with my father who I felt rejected from the beginning by. Mm-hmm. Now, <laughs> what's interesting is um, that was problematic because I didn't feel close enough to my father. So I had patterns in, the, in my history in the past of aligning myself with men who weren't available. No surprise. Now, mm-hmm. that was my, in a way, I aligned with my father <laughs> in mm-hmm. that I was trying to find him. I was trying, a part of me was trying to um, recover and feel closer to my dad by finding men that matched my dad, which doesn't ever work, right? Because that was my default mode. Even though I yeah. thought I was being aware of it every single time for many years, I didn't find, or the ones that were available, I left. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I didn't, I ended the relationship because unconsciously I was trying to have a closeness with my dad. It also can happen that if you don't like someone's behaviors for many years, I yelled like my father. My kids could tell you, I used to yell. I don't, I don't get angry or yell really anymore. I just, it doesn't work for me. I've shifted it, but I would be angry and yell. And that was a way that I could feel close to my dad without knowing it. I wasn't trying to, I, I didn't want to be anything like his yelling self. But this yet, is the difference between a conscious desire and unconscious desire, no? Yes. Well, and a lot of it is unconsciously driven. That's the, that's the part that's a little bit overwhelming at times to some people because they'll think that they're doing the opposite when in fact, often they can't see that they're replicating what they didn't like. Got it. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a comp, it's complicated and yet simple. If you really look at who people are being, not what they say they want to be, or where they're going, or what they don't like. Notice how a person is acting. And there are lots of people who are able to shift these dynamics and not be in default. But, you know, especially with all the stress that we have in our world right now, a lot of people are defaulting to old patterns. That's what people are reporting to me, that Mm -hmm. they're feeling like they're caught in these unconscious patterns with their partners because they're stuck together all the time and you know they're not having the kind of space that they normally do and so things are arising which i think is juicy and wonderful (laughs) right i mean it's easy for me to say right but slow it down it can be juicy and wonderful Mm. i said a whole lot because this is a really big topic and i wasn't joking when i said do we have enough time um, because there are a lot of levels um, at which to look at how our families impact us. And I think the biggest impact is the one that we're imprinted with that's mostly unconscious until we become a lot more aware and awake. And then we've got the dynamics that play out live time that often trigger those older dynamics. And and people in families often have stories about the family members that may or may not represent who the person is currently. Yeah, but we, but we do that, that, don't, don't we? We see people through the lens of who we, we'd like them to be or who we see them as or who we see them as not. We're, we're, we've got our attention activating systems working actively to filter the inputs that we have and to create stories that match our worldview. So, for example, um, if I don't like a, a, a character trait, and I've got, a dis- I've got this real dislike for this character trait, but then there's something going on in my brain that says, for example, you know, you can't have a successful relationship. You're not allowed to be happy, for example. I'm okay. going to be called to those parts of the person that match that worldview that I've set in my brain. Absolutely. And I'm going to miss, I'm going to miss some, you know, I don't know, some of the beauty of who that person is and whatnot because I'm stuck on this idea of who I want them to be or not be in order to match my and this we do the same thing with happy right people that are in toxic relationships who can't see from the inside the parts of themselves or the person that they're with that just aren't really bueno and so they keep they stay oh no she's this or oh no he's that whether someone's been through some trauma or they're in something abusive or whatever but they just don't see what other people can see with with greater right. because of the filter that they're looking through. Yes, mm. and and I think for me that 
always goes back to what we say almost every time, you know, it's an inside job. I mean, I think we say mm-hmm. this because in my experience, in my own working on my own process of continual growth, expansion and healing and working with others, we will not see things as they will be the unclarity or the inability to see the blindsidedness the, is going to be relative to the same level of disconnection inside of oneself. Hmm. And actually, it's really interesting because, I mean, one of the things that I feel that I really wanted to to come back to with all of this is that we've spoken about what we're going to see in the person on the other side of the table, for one of a better phrase. Mm-hmm. But we're also talking about what we're going to see in ourselves. We are going to reflect our family patterns. We are going to reflect right. our connection to, and at the end of the day, we are going to end up manifesting or experiencing for one, you know, to, to phrase it differently, a match for where we're at, whether That's it's right. yes. the opposite of it, because we're pushing it away or judging it, or we're trying to suppress it, yep. or we, we hate it, which is just as a deeper magnet as, as love. Right. Yes. Yes. So we're going to call that in uh, and we're going to, or we're going to have that thing. Like you said, like you were calling in yep. variations of your dad's, behavior in order to connect to to fill in that gap i mean i'm not sure how much i really agree with this even as an idea that i'm putting out from myself but i really do feel that there are almost and this could be result of of patterning from from young but there are like templates that we have in our mind for what should happen yes it's like there should be a daddy energy there should be a mummy energy yes like uh, a divine energy. I remember when I grew up in, in the church, we were kind of propagated the idea of there being a God spot within us that has to be filled. And that's why people clamber for, for, for religion. But if we're going into our adult life and we're looking for that thing that was missing, so we yes. had an energy from that, the dad energy, for example, in your case, and because we no longer have that energy around in our immediate environment, we're looking to fill that gap with something and unconsciously we're going to end up filling it with what we know. Yes. Mm. Yep. I think, yeah, what, what our body knows is comfortable and is normal and to us. And I mm. realized that that's why I stayed in a very toxic relationship for very many years, half of my life, because mm-hmm. it felt like what I knew. I was always walking on eggshells, holding my breath. I couldn't expand. I had to shrink. That mm. felt familiar. And I kept thinking, just like with my dad, well, you know, is, is this adult woman? Well, if I do more of this or less of that, or if I don't expand so much, or if I take care of him, someday, eventually, you know, he's going to see how amazing I am. And mm. he's going to really appreciate, wow, Laura, you're just, you do so much for me. <laughs> yeah, what a oh. joke that was. Mm. It didn't happen until I realized that that's what I've been do- doing. And I saw that the pain that I kept repeating was my inner pain and that brokenness with myself and that I had to figure out how to love that beautiful little girl and accept her fully and not ever ask her to shrink for someone ever again and not ever ask her to take care of another adult in the ways that I was, that she was now free to just be accepted without having to be doing anything by me, by me. Mm -hmm. 
Beautiful. I have this idea that um, at, a root, at a root level, we're all playing a part in a, in a, in a game. <laughs> right. And that almost like a computer game where you can pick different players. So we're all just kind of picking different players as we move through different life experiences and also through different lifetimes, if that's something that you're, you're into. Uh-huh. And that sometimes we can almost at a deep level end up reconnecting with people that we played the game with at different levels and that our families often represent those, our families, our lovers, our children, represent combinations of people that we've, that we've connected to on that yes. level. Yep. Hmm. Brilliant. I love this. I love this. What are your thoughts on meddling family members? Well, you know, my number one rule in my kind of rules of looking at how to untangle toxic relationships is uh, not to tell other people what to do. So I have no, you know, it's kind of funny because I don't, when people tell me what to do, mm-hmm. I see it as them try, I, I've rebooted the way um, I see it. I, I see when people don't kind of follow my rule because they don't have to because they're my rules. <laughs> um, <laughs> I will, depending on the relationship, just smile and say thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, or if it's like my daughters, which they really know not to because we practice that with each other, I might say, oh, are you telling me what to do? We laugh about it. But for the most mm-hmm. part, I think if a family member is quote unquote meddling, I think it's good to look for the intention behind it, to slow it all down. Generally, mm-hmm. someone's intention, there's a need. And then that, that's how, um, yeah, it's an interesting dynamic because I like to see what, is, what might be the need behind it. Um, and usually if they're telling me something or telling someone I know something and we're talking about it, I suggest they don't talk about it in the moment with the person that's telling them that to just hear what the person's saying and then go reflect and wonder, I wonder what this person's intention is. And sometimes, you know, generally you find that they're, they, they think that they have something they can see that you can't, or maybe they're seeing you with old eyes mm-hmm, and they mm-hmm. don't know how you've shifted something. Um, maybe they have something's coming up in them around an issue that they have and they're projecting it onto you. I mean, it can be any number of things, but generally I believe that people, unless they're a sociopath, are well-intended. So I like to look for the well-intended um, motivation behind it. Yeah. And then I listen and I try not to react. <laughs> like, and I try not to react, you know, because at the end of the day, it's going to come down to, um, it's really going to come down to how much life we're going to give to something, right? Exactly. And, and, and I think what gets activated in many of us at, at times when, so the reason I, I don't, I tell people not, I suggest that one of the most important rules is to not tell each other what to do is that it creates a power differential. When one person is saying, mm-hmm. you know, I think you need to do this without you asking for their advice. And that's what I'm assuming the meddling mm-hmm. aspect is, is that someone comes to you and tells yeah. you this or that, or this is a problem, or have you looked at this or that? So I'm assuming that mm-hmm. you haven't asked for their opinion. 
So in that, it creates a power differential where really inside our little kid is activated. Like, what the hell? What? Mm -hmm. What am I doing wrong? Oh, no. Mm -hmm. And and that's what I mean about not reacting at the time because Mm -hmm. I want to go tell that little girl, okay, this person is well-intended. And now my adult kicks in, right? The adult kicks in and goes, oh, this person's well-intended. Let me try to see the intention behind it. And I tell the little girl, look it, nobody but me tells you what to do. And actually, I don't even tell you what to do. We had kind of agree. Mm -hmm. I'm going to keep you safe. You didn't do anything wrong. You don't have to make anybody happy. This is this person's opinion. Opinions are like, you know, we've all, lots of people have them. and, and, And I didn't ask for the opinion. So I protect that vulnerability part who's like, oh, I messed up again, or I hate mm-hmm. them or whatever that part feels, right? And I, I sit with myself and reconnect with myself, see the intention in the person's words. And then I might even inquire more to them later. Like, what, what was it that your concern was? What can you tell me about this? And I just say, oh, thank you. That's basically hmm. it. Thank you. Um, if they're a person that I can have the conversation with, I will let them know that it doesn't really work for me. I'm not going to tell them what to do, and it doesn't really work for me when they tell me what to do. Some relationships, mm-hmm. I can do that. Um, it depends on the relationship and the family member. But others, I just kind of let them say what they need to say, and maybe they're not going to be conscious around it, and I don't really need to do that. But I, but the, but we only it only is as troubling as we give it reaction in ourselves Mm. so really what we're talking about is going to come down to communication at the end of the day Mm -hmm. and 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 most of all communication inside of oneself Mm. you know letting yourself know the part of you like whoa anytime that i tell my clients they have a strong reaction don't communicate when you're having a strong reaction that's not a time to communicate the time to communicate is when you've had a chance. Now, it doesn't mean that it doesn't happen. I'm talking about ideally. I, you know, in a, in a real life situation, you might say, why the hell are you telling me this shit? I didn't ask you for this. But there's always an opportunity to slow it down and say, well, wait a minute. I'm sorry. I reacted. Um, I want to try to see where this is coming from in you. But right now, I'm just not in a good place. Can we talk about this later? It's, it's great. I always say on the phone, you can always say to someone, can I get back to you on this? Or can we talk about this later? I got to go right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're in real Crank life, space. yeah, and, and it's the space to come back to yourself. Mm. I mean, that's really the trick. You know, the, I, if I have to say there's anything I, I, I dare say mastered, but that's probably pushing it. But I feel really competent in is coming mm-hmm. back to trusting myself, slowing it down. Because I find that emotional reactions cause damage to relationships. And the most important thing to me in my life is my relationships with other human beings, Hmm. far and above anything. So I've made it a priority. So I won't talk to someone when I'm in a reactive place. And we have this agreement with my close beloveds. Um, You know, when it gets heated, we just stop. We just say, hey, this is, we don't want to hurt the relationship. Let's get back to this. And then what we realize is usually... We were vying for position, like being right. I got to be right. And I lost sight. Mm. My relationships are more important than me being right. Got it. So it's coming down to almost this combination of humility, um, uh, presence, 
because I can be present and still be a bumhole and not be like humble, right? Um, or I can humble and not be present enough to hear what needs to be plugged into that space of humility. But if we're able to do that and take the breath, then we can just communicate where we're And I think knowing what you want and what you don't want, knowing yourself, because if someone's giving me their opinion, but I don't know myself well enough to even express, hey, this isn't really aligned with where I'm at, or right. I don't have the, the confidence in myself to be able to say, do you know what? I'm not really, this does not align with me. I, I, I'm not really going down this route. Then we can end up getting swayed with the wind of, of whatever. Yes. This auntie's got an opinion, your mum's got an opinion, your brother's got an opinion, blah, blah, blah. Versus, well, I know who I am, I know where I am, so I know what I'm going to listen to, what I'm not. So I and hear I, your advice, I can plug it into what I desire for myself. Yes. Yes, thank you. And, and I think there's nothing wrong with, you know, people that you feel close enough to in your family system um, to have a conversation of, you know, I noticed that we tell each other, you know, and I, I like to not say you when we're talking, when I'm talking about something heated. So kind of in general, you know, I noticed in our family, it seems like we give each other a lot of advice that others haven't asked for. Mm-hmm. And I'm just wondering, gosh, I wonder what it'd be like if we tried as a family to not give advice without it being asked for, and or if someone really feels like something is really, really, really important because you've really thought about it, not just off the cuff reaction, but if you've really thought about it, then, you know, then ask me a couple times if I'm really available, if, if, if you have something that you think is important to share with me. And, you know, let me tell you, Dan, what I've learned when you follow that rule, if you can have that guideline, even with a couple people in your family, maybe that you feel closest to, it'd be great in the whole family. It shifts mm-hmm. dynamics. It really, and what, ha- like, I've had some conversations that have been really important that I think are, for me, health and safety. And that could be mental, physical, emotional, spiritual health and well-being that are really um, things that are happening. When I bring those up to people and I say, you know, I don't tell people what to do. And I'm certainly not telling you what to do, but this is something that I want to have a conversation about, a real conversation, because I'm concerned about this. They listen. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not, I'm not flapping my lips all the time telling everybody what to do. I don't at all. So when it's something important, there's a, like a precious space that's created and we have a really meaningful conversation. And, it, and, and the people that I'm talking to about it know that my intentions, like I've really thought about this and I don't, I don't give this out lightly. So it becomes almost, it, it, it's like this really, I don't know, it's, it makes what I say more valuable when, I'm, when I say it. And now I have, you know, these people that I've made these agreements with will ask me, I know you're not going to tell me what to do, but I would like you <laughs> to make some suggestions. Can you help me here? <laughs> and then that's very different. The power is equal. I'm not better than them. I'm not the psychotherapist that knows everything. I'm not the one, I'm not the mom or the friend or the, you know, the whatever, you know, sister. I'm someone who they've said, I want to know. So they've asked, and and again, even, but, but here's, here's the flip one on, on that. Sometimes people ask us, but they don't really want to hear well, that's right. And so I don't know if you remember, but in one of our, the other podcasts that we had, I said, if I'm going to, um, okay, so if someone asks me, I ask them three times and, it, and they get annoyed with me because I'm consistent in this. Do you really <laughs> want to know my opinion? And they'll say, yes, I do. I asked you for it. 
And then I take a breath and I say, are you certain that you want to know my opinion? And I especially, I mean, this is, this takes time. And what's happening in the person is they get to think about it. They get to reflect. And then the third time, which is the annoying time. Mm -hmm. Okay. Really? You want me to tell you? Cause this may not be comfortable for you. And they say, Oh my gosh, enough time already. Yes. Tell me. And, but what they've done is they've agreed three times. And sometimes the second time or the third time they go, no, you know what? You're right. I don't want to know right now. And I go, mm -hmm. cool. All right. Because I think sometimes and I've had this, I've had this in my life and especially in, in, in work, my work where people aren't really, they're looking for someone to either validate their opinion <laughs> whether it's to validate the choice that they've made or to validate that you've got an opinion about the choice that they've made. It's basically diverting the energy of them owning their experience yes. and the payoffs of the, that are resulting from it. Um, so I've just, uh, in family, we have this, the same thing, right? People will they'll say, Hey, yeah, you know, I really want your advice about this, but really they, they know that your advice is going to be one thing and at an unconscious level, they want the payoff of, oh, see, I knew he didn't approve or I knew he was judging me or do you know, do you know what I mean? <laughs> yes. Rather than saying, I know, I'm, I know ultimately this probably isn't the right thing. They, they put it on you. Yeah. yeah. And, I think, and I, I think that these things, if you slow them down, they kind of get massaged out a little bit. Mm -hmm. If the reactions don't happen by default in the old ways that we've all kind of been patterned to in, in our own lives and in the lives of our family systems and our relationships, if you slow it down, it changes it. And it's, it's so funny because when you slow it down, you watch how, watch how you're talking to yourself. I mean, I remember my, the other day, my boyfriend and I got into this sort of debate about, you know, the pandemic and other things, and we have different positions and we know that. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. he somehow got into this thing where he used a word and then I, I, I repeated the word and then he repeated a word and, and we got it and, and we like, we were heated up and it was mm -hmm. so funny in my mind, all these places I went to, oh, this is never going to work. <laughs> mm -hmm. All this crazy stuff. And I laughed at myself because I, I didn't say it out loud to him. I didn't want to mm -hmm. hurt our relationship. And he was inside quiet too. We were out walking when this conversation happened and we both got home and kind of went to our own corners on the property. And right about the time I, I was actually on the phone with the client, but right about the time I was thinking, gosh, I really need to, when I'm off this call, just give him a text and tell him I'm sorry for whatever my part was. He sends me a text and says, mm -hmm. oh, I'm sorry if I called you something or another. It wasn't even a bad word. It was just a triggering, you know, kind of heavy laid, heavily laden word. And it was so funny because that was like a half an hour later. We didn't say anything nasty to each other. We both realized, and we talked about it later, we both wanted to be right. We know mm -hmm. the other person's position is different, but... But, you know, it was a very short, brief interchange where we went back to ourselves and went, God, I love this person. And that's, they're an amazing person. And they get to have a different opinion. It doesn't have to be the same. Mm -hmm. It's okay. It's actually interesting to me to have someone in my life who thinks of things a little differently and kind of moves me along on the spectrum more toward the middle, probably, than I might be on my own. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I think we have to, it, it's really important to keep in mind what's important Hmm. And is our ego important in relationship? I mean, our, our egos uh, have some places that they help us a little bit, but mostly we trip over them, you know? What I love really super duply about that was you guys didn't have, you guys navigated back to each other, if that makes sense. Yes, very quickly. We navigated back to 
harmony because that was your real default. Uh, and I say this specifically because you've shared with us many times that that was not what your default was historically. No, it was not. So you've actually created a new default so that your unconscious manifestation, first of all, in terms of your immediate personal reaction is, oh, this isn't really where I want to be. Let me go in love and, and go and communicate. And then what you manifest in terms of what came back from your beloved was, hey, blah, blah, blah. Versus yes. if we're still sitting in um, whether the, the pattern itself or the echoes of it with conflict or with right. think, then that becomes this unspoken of verbal cancer that sits in the relationship and festers and just kind of brushing under the carpet and then ends up causing discord later versus yes. the energy being sort of transmuted and, and dealt with in the now. Yeah, exactly. And, and it, it was beautiful because it did come from him. And, and historically, I would try in my other relationships that didn't work very well to convince the other person, I would say I was sorry, they would never say they were sorry. And then I would try to, you know, anyway, it was it just not, certainly was not that things didn't come to me in a, in a way that were um, yeah. easy and um, easy to recover from and not have to hold. Like there's no holding. I don't have anything I'm holding around that, nor does he. We have, mm. it came full circle and it was like, oh gosh, we got caught in our egos. And how silly is that? You know, we just really mm. love each other. And we want to remember not to be right with one another, that that just hurts us. And, um, and yeah, so I think, but, but, but it's a struggle because I, you know, even now, I, I do have these new default patterns. I've practiced them and practiced them and practiced them, but I still have that part inside that's like, oh, this is never going to work. <laughs> it's so <laughs> over this little, but I, I don't let that part come out and say anything because she needs me to calm her and say, oh, sweetie, this is just a little thing that got out of, you know, it flamed up a little bit. And, and you know, if you're ever really not safe and it really isn't good, I'll take care of you. You don't have to worry about that. It's never going to be like it was for so long. Mm -hmm. um, but I know a lot of people will say that kind of stuff out of their mouths. You know, get the hell out of here. I can't stand you. I, this is over. I can't believe you're being such an ass. You know, and that, oh, that, does, that puts a little crack in the relationship. Mm. And a lot of people do it. When we get close to people, a lot of people feel like that gives them permission to say hurtful things. But I actually feel like being really close to someone requires me to monitor what comes out of my mouth so that I'm not hurting them, that I protect them not only from things out in the world and, and try to be a safe place, but that I also protect them from ways that I could cause fractures in our relationship. Owning your role, but not in a self-blaming way. Just owning your role in terms of how can I, how can I make this a reflection of who I want to be and what I want to show up in my life yes. versus, oh no, I did this and I did that, which is just attracting more of that same energy. It's not, it's, yeah. not, it's not helpful. It's just mm. not helpful. But I think I, I, an important piece I want to say is that I tried some of this in other relationships where people weren't really, the, where my partners at different levels weren't really working on their side of it. So I worked double time, triple time, quadruple time, overtime all the time to try to recognize what my part was. And, and that wasn't helpful because 
then it was always like, well, what did I do wrong? And then that fed more of what I had from the beginning. So from the beginning Playing of time, out. it was so like a like, back way to play out the same patterns, right? Right. But I thought I was doing it differently because here I was reflecting, but it was the same dynamic in that there was no kind of actual working on themselves on the other side. And, mm. and I think that's really important if you want to have a conscious relationship. Some people don't. Some people are just happy to just sort of get along and have their fights and whatever. I just want to keep <laughs> I, I, that's, that's, I can do. I could do that being single. You know, in, in a partnership, I really want, I, I want to be growing and expanding and have, and, and go and, and kind of smooth out rough edges in me that um, being close to someone brings up. And it's, you know, it's, it's edgy. It, it, it is definitely, uh, it can be edgy at times, especially inside of me when I'm up, running up against old programming, but I love it. Hmm. To me, I, I love that I can be so different now in the ways that I respond that, you know, um, it's, like sometimes I, I just sit back and I watch myself and I go, wow, look at you. Look, look, at, look at how loving you can be in spite of, you know, some pain arising in you right now. Wow, that's, mm -hmm. you know, so I, I've learned to have these really beautiful conversations inside too. And oh, gosh, you, that was a bump in the road. Okay, we'll apologize. Let them know what you just did that didn't work and ask to start over. Like it's all about humility on the outside, the inside, and always slowing it down. Anything that feels like you have to say it, um, is usually something not to say and, and, and things that you're really afraid to say might be something to sit with and be curious why, what would prevent you from saying it if it's important. So much juiciness here. Um, we're looking at how we're showing up, how we're calling in people that match how we're showing up sometimes in these crazy little ways, how it's important for us to know who we are and where we're at and what we desire in order to go out there and consciously create it and shift how we're showing up so that we're defaulting back to something that's more expensive. This has been a really, really, really beautiful, um, beautiful conversation today. Are there any closing thoughts you'd like to leave the, uh, leave the dreamers with today? I think, I think I just, since we're bringing it back to this family theme, I want to tie it up and say that, you know, changing within our family system, making big shifts that move outside of the normal patterns and outside of the default um, can be really challenging. It's, I, I, you know, I made it sound like it was easy to just say, oh yeah, Aunt Sue, thanks for your opinion. Um, <laughs> right? <laughs> but I'm not saying it's not, challenging but I think for me that's what evolution is is evolving beyond our default patterns even within our family systems and I believe when we do that that we also open pathways and I see this all the time in my work with family systems but we open pathways for other people to be more of who they are to be a version of who they are in an expanded way versus the ways that perhaps um, they default to. And, you know, anyway, so I, I, it's, it's not so easy necessarily, but I think it's a beautiful, a beautiful thing to do if, if you're willing to take the risks to expand outside of the default within your family. 
And pe- mm. you might piss people off too. Let me just say that. <laughs> well, I am excited about sharing this with the world. I think there's so many different layers, layers of goodness in here that are going to support people in so many different ways. Um, I'd like to encourage people again to connect with you. They can do so on Facebook. Yes, they can. Laura Martin Taylor. And there's um, Laura Martin, Ta- Laura M. Taylor um, counselor as well. I have a, a personal one and a professional one, and you can contact me on either of them. Um, yeah. And if anybody has questions or thoughts or, you know, you think I'm off base, I'd love to hear it. I love to hear it all. I'm, I'm open always to grow and expand from other people's experiences and thoughts. Well, as, as, as of today, um, I've had nothing but amazing feedback on the ones that are out of the world <laughs> so far today. So uh, let's see, maybe we're going to get some dissension. Feel free to join. We'd love to have you join the Facebook group. Um, and you can join that uh, via dreamwithdan.com forward slash Facebook. It will take you over to the Facebook page. And from there, you can... Um, go ahead and, and, and see where we're at and what we're doing and you'll you'll be in a position to to have conversation with us and and chat about what's going on with these because we always update when there's an episode and people can kind of have a conversation underneath underneath the post so i would love to hear from you on that hey, Dan. Um, yeah Dan, can, I, can i just do one thing i i'm, I'm going to start doing this on every podcast because i do it with my clients but can i give everybody a piece of homework to do oh yeah do it let's do that Okay, so the piece that I that I found I find to be the most profoundly altering piece of advice I'm giving you advice here um, is to not tell other people, other adults, what to do, and just watch how often you want to do it, and try, especially with your significant others, to not do it. It's an ex- it's an amazing experiment. You don't have to stick with doing it, you know, but just try it out. Try it out for a week, perhaps. Mm-hmm. and see what you notice in yourself. Because just come back when you don't tell them what to do, notice what the deeper need might be underneath mm-hmm. and notice how maybe out of control you feel or how much you really want to tell them what to do. And just notice what happens inside of you and also what happens on the outside when you stop telling your significant other what to do. Just try that for a week. Okay. That's my homework. Well, you heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna pay attention to that one myself and see what comes up. I think it's gonna be interesting. To see well, what you promise me you'll let me know. I'd love to hear about it, Dan. I'm gonna I'm going to make a note right now that in one week's time I'm going to because I will, I will, I'm gonna make a note oh. date <laughs> Taylor on how I got on with not telling grown-ups what to do. Yes. Uh, Just a quick little final thought from from me, by the way, in relation to my stepdaughter. What I realized is she's learning um, how to be rude or polite based on what she witnesses. And I noticed that I was always teaching her to say please and thank you, but I was sometimes giving her instruction and not saying please. So she's learning inconsistency there so now i'm always very very deliberate in yes. pleasing thank you so um yeah. i'm actually going to see even about 
not telling a child what to do, but having a discourse with them and creating boundaries so that they can make empowering choices about what to do. So I'm going to play with both of those this week. Good. I love that. I, that's great because that's the next level of it is that I think we empower children when we have conversations that with them rather than tell them what to do. That mm. that's a very empowering thing. And, and that's a, that could become a whole other discussion. I love that you went there though, Dan. That excites me. Yay. Yeah. So I've made a note, so I'll keep you posted on what happens with that. Cool. Thank you again, Dan. I really Brilliant. enjoyed this. Lovely time. Love, love you. And everyone, please, please, please go do connect with Laura. Um, groovy stuff going on in her world. Um, some cool projects that we're working on. Um, COVID-19 has delayed them a little bit, but we're still going to be coming live and direct with something very groovy and delicious for 2020. Look out for news on that. Laura, love you so much. Thank you so much mm. for your wisdom and for your divine space being here with us here today. And can't wait to co-create with you even more going forward in the future. (laughs) Thanks, Dan. Okay, bye for now. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Duo with Dan with your host, Daniel McGenna. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit dmpotv.com. We'll catch you on the next episode of Do It With Dan.